this is a function of wisdom. The wiser we are, the better we live. Join us every Sunday at Global Impact Church for four great services. 7 a.m., 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. At The Good Land, Ifako Bus Stop, Oworonshoki Ogbutu Expressway, Lagos, Nigeria. Host, Yemi and Bimbo David. For inquiries, visit www.globalimpactng.org or call 0808-156-3080. Global Impact Church. Think greatness. We are dealing with what? Overcoming worry, anxiety, and fear. Isaiah 61, from verse 1 to 3, gives us clarity on what the Holy Spirit has come to do. It said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach, preach, to speak. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord goes upon me, for he has anointed me to do what? <laughs> the Spirit, capital S, of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. Verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, uh, verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. Now, if you look at verse 1, you find that one major assignment of the Holy Spirit is to help and heal people emotionally. I mentioned uh, earlier this morning uh, when I was preaching about the 26-year-old young guy that died of drug overdose. Some of us saw it on, 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 on the news platforms. It's an American rapper, right? A young guy, 26, died of drug overdose. And many of them, like Whitney Houston and all those guys, you find that emotional problems are worse than physical problems. When you are not properly helped, internally, nobody can help you externally. And this is the main crisis we have in our generation. People are depressed, people are tired of life, people worry, people literally live in you know, that nervousness. They're always nervous. They are, they, and they don't tell people, and when it compounds over the years, it can lead to stroke, uh, it leads to inactivity, and so many things happen. Now, people might not really die physically every time, but many are actually dead. Dead maritally, you can be dead maritally. When you are not happy maritally, you are not, you're just there. You're, you're like dead. Nothing is happening business-wise. So dealing with anxiety, worry, and fear is a major syllabus for our generation. And it's happening every day. People are going through all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of worries. Should I divorce? If I divorce, what will happen, what will happen next? Or you're not making money as you thought you could make money, and you're looking at yourself as a man. Am I really a man? All kinds of thoughts. Am I, am I really fit? So if you look at Isaiah 61, verse 1 again, he says, He has sent, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach. When I was asking God, I, I didn't want to come and preach psychology. It won't help anybody. I can come and, and, and hide people. Don't worry. Don't worry. No, no, no. 
it's God's word that heals. So I said, Lord, I, I need to deal with this thing, this season, and build on it over the years. He said, the answer is in that verse, that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to do what? To preach. He said, anointed preaching will help people emotionally. And you find statements like to proclaim, to declare. It's not that uh, we are going to come and lay hands on you and say every suicidal thoughts go. No, before that, you need to hear the word. Preaching, anointed preaching would help us overcome uh, emotional uh, traumas. Now, one major thing is contentment. Someone say contentment. Yeah, it's important you learn it on time. We have a generation that always want to blow, that wants to make all the monies immediately, the microwave generation. So it's so bad that even when God is doing anything in people's lives, they're not even grateful anymore just because their eyes are on something big. And that won't help your emotions. You are like postponing your day of joy until you get it. And when you now get that, your friend has gotten something bigger. So when you now get it, you are now not satisfied again. You are now looking for something bigger. And then it becomes a rat race you know, towards depression. You get to learn to be content. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And I hope all our teenagers or older teenagers are here. The man that died in the um, U.S. is 26 years old. Many of our young people see some of those Hollywood stars and just feel, I want to be like them. Are you sure you want to be like them? You can't be like someone you don't really know. You don't even know them now. The guy has died of drug overdose. He's been dosing it for a while. But for him to get into that physical activity, the emotions had finished. The emptiness inside. You need to learn to be content. First Timothy 6 Verse 6, it says, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Thank you. Now, godliness with contentment. You need to learn it. Ability to be satisfied while you're on your way to bigger things. You understand? Not that you're living in depression until I get it. No, I'm happy. Look at this service now. We have to be happy until, you know, we keep improving. But you are sat- there's a satisfaction in the present. You don't postpone it. Content. Now, that is, that is what they call holy discontent. When you aspire to big things in a healthy way, that's fine. Bigger goals. But that is different from unholy comparison. Many people are not in good shape because of unholy comparison. They keep comparing themselves with themselves and they are not wise. That's what Paul says. Friends, we compare with friends, you know, all kinds of things, and people become unhappy. And yet, God has been good to them. I just finished preaching at the Yoruba church. I had a great time at the Yoruba church this morning. And I said, I know you have things you are trusting God for, but even that you are alive this morning, praising God, able to stand, that is a lot of gratitude. Contentment. Ability to enjoy not just what you have, but who you are. Now, we, we mentioned some things that will help us to be content. Are you okay this morning? Are we okay this morning? Now, one major thing that will help you to be content is the fact that you must agree that God has made you unique. Come on, tell yourself, I'm unique. Now, point to yourself like you are speaking to you. Point it and speak to yourself and say, I am unique. I am unique. That's very important. There will never be another Yemi David. There will never be another you. That understanding has to dawn because you are so busy trying to be like somebody else and we have lost you. 
You know, I give an illustration in the, I think it was in the first service. Can we have like four ladies out? Four ladies uh, from Praise Gang. Four, four ladies. Okay. Face that place, please. Now, ladies like to compare themselves. My gilly is better than your gilly. My shoe is greener than your shoe. You know, that's what I'm using ladies. Amen. Now, the, this analysis, I mean, there are different versions of it. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll show some that version. This version says, when it comes to envy, people miss it. What's the name, ma? Chinelo? Manu. Manu, yeah. Chudima. Chudima. You're married, right? Yes. Okay. Are you married? Available? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Light of the world, I'm available, Lord. <laughs> Manu, yes, are you married? Yes. Available? <laughs> You're not available. You, t- you told us in the first service. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, what's the name again? Chinelo wants to be like Manu. You know, when in school, likes the way Manu walks, everything. Manu, unknown to Chinelo, wants to be like Chudima. I just like Chudima, the way she eats, the way she walks. Unknown to Manu, Chinelo, Chudima wants to be like Buki. Unknown to all of them, Buki has been trying to be like Chinelo. Do you understand that? It's a true story in a secondary school. She wants to be like her. She wants to be like her. She wants to be like her. And this one wants to actually be like this person. You are unique. There will never be another you. If there's anything you must work on to be the best you. Thank you, Miles. Now, 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 to make that work, you need to, you know, be positive in your perspective. Count your blessings, not other people's blessings. Your height is fantastic. Your color is fantastic. Appreciate who you are. There are amazing gifts and talents and strengths and flavor that you have that we need. There's this scripture, uh, I don't know if you read it, there's a book called Philemon. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. said that the communication, Philemon 1, 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by acknowledging every good thing that God has given you. Your faith cannot be effective if you don't acknowledge that you're a good person, that you have any good thing in your life. Some people are miserable just because they don't like who they are. Why? Philemon 1, 6, find it. <laughs> That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. Which is in you, not in others. It's in you. You can sing. Somebody else cannot sing. I I, I said in the other service, I don't preach like T.D. Jakes. I will never be like T.D. Jakes. But T.D. Jakes will never be like me. Now, if I now try to be like T.D. Jakes, I will be a wrong version of T.D. Jakes. I got to be me. The world needs me. You are so special. Your nose, if it's pointed, it's okay. If it's flat, God has a purpose for it. Your man or will like you like that. Or you, I'm, I'm saying that because many people are not themselves anymore. One part wants to be like Ungozi, another part wants to be like Chinelo, and then we've lost them. And they act out. They're not themselves anymore. I love my upbringing. We are so poor. Looking back now, I love it. 
It's a, there's, a, there's, there's a benefit. to Have you came from a rich home? Love your own too. There's a purpose for them. You can work it out. Go, all things will work together. Yes. Now, when I look at my background, it's easier for me to be humble. So it's a blessing. You are unique. Your history is unique. Your DNA is unique. Your fingerprints are unique. And then learn to celebrate other people in a healthy way. There are two parts to this. There are some people, because they don't like who they are, they want others not to like who they are. They bully them. They spoil them. Because they don't like themselves, so they don't, they, they want, they don't want others to like them, so they just speak down at, on them. Beware of such people, they are bullies. And there's other version of people that, because they don't like themselves, they over-celebrate others and diminish themselves. They never talk about what they've accomplished. They never say anything good in themselves. Ah, I like that couple. Ah, I like that thing. But they compare their wife with everybody in the world. It's your esteem that has a problem. I love my wife. She's, she, you can never be my wife. She's just the person God ordained for me. You might be a good woman. That's your goodness. One wise man said, if some men treat other people the way they treat their spouse, they will have no friend. Again, that some men, if they treat others the way they've been treating their wives at home, they will not have any friend in this world. When other people make mistakes, they have a way of sorting it out lovingly. When their wife makes a mistake, they kill the woman. And some, some ladies are like that. If the way they are treating the woman, the way they judge her, the way they do everything, they've been treating others like that, they will have no friend in this world. Love your children. Love them for who they are. Love your spouse. Contentment. If not, you'll just be living a miserable life every day. I said in the other service, if you have one room apartment, make it great. I saw a particular room somewhere. The guy put um, a wallpaper uh, of an ocean, you understand, on one side of the wall. Now, it now looks like the, the, flat, the room is beside the ocean. That looks bigger. Magnify your own office. We have introverts, quiet people that think more. We need them. And we have the extroverts that express more. We need them. But don't ever think you are worse because you're an introvert. No, we need your thinking to have things to do. Many extroverts are not creative. They just jump around. We need you that can be creative to have things to do. And you are an extrovert. We need you to, uh, to implement what the, you know. We just, without you, we're not complete. Contentment. If you understand that, you'll be happy every day. While you are aiming for things, you understand? While you are trusting God to accomplish, you'll be happy. Love your height. Love your toes. Laugh at yourself. Enjoy yourself. Number two thing that will help you to deal with those negative emotions is physical fitness. I saw uh, an article yesterday, uh, last week, sorry, on BBC, and it just corroborates what I've been thinking they notice that the inactivity of people globally it has be, it, it's becoming alarming. When we read that, um, can we go to Isaiah 61, verse 3? All those things we call worry, anxiety, or depression is encapsulated in that statement, the spirit of heaviness. Isaiah 61, verse 3. The spirit, so when, when you know, that spirit of when it comes on someone, you can't do anything anymore. It says, it says, 
to console those women in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the heaviness. And I said, does it also mean that when somebody is too heavy, it affects them? And we go and do research. Ask psychologists when you are too heavy. Now, too heavy doesn't mean you are big. There are big people that are athletic, and there are thin people that have spirits of heaviness. So don't look at it in physical terms. We're, we're talking about you being, you know, that word emotion. Emotion. When you move, you feel better. That's why when you do exercises, you find that some negative emotions leave. So in that article, they notice that ladies have the most problems because they are the ones that don't move too much. And if you're married here, do your best to encourage your wife to move. When I say move, exercises. It has to be intentional. All those you go to the kitchen and you just sit on one akoti. What akoti in English? Huh? <laughs> eh? Stool. Bring me curry. Bring me. And you don't move at all. Bring me water. Bring me yourself. Bring me the stove. And you don't move. Oh, you are the CEO. You don't even move at all. Bring me the bag. Bring me my shoe. Wear my shoe for me. Wear my clothes for me. Everything. I was in Botswana with my pastor to preach many years ago. And I was excited. I traveled with him. So after he preached, he was pre- preaching, prophesying, you know. And he was already in his late 50s then. So after he preached, on his way down, he was carrying his Bibles. I looked at all the pastors from their ministry. Nobody went to go and collect it. I said, well, this is not right. I just ran. Holy brother. I ran. As I collected it from him, he just whispered, don't do that again. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so later I asked him, he said, he doesn't want to feel old. All this, they carry everything for me. And in case you are here, you're a leader in this church. Stop that. They carry everything for you. Do everything for you. Move emotions. Move. Do exercises. And be, be, be intentional about it. Move. Uh, one of my doctor friends gave me a system for three days in a week. Some particular 30 minutes in the morning. And just very light exercises that we picked up from NYSE days. Or the, the, the movement. And you find that you are lighter. And then your mood will change. Movement. Can we rise up on our feet? Glory to God. Are you okay? Are you ready now? Glory to Jesus. Stand straight. We're going to do, we did 25 in the first service. We'll do 15 in this service. So, like this one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Are you talking 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 44, 44, 44, 44, 44, 45, 46, 46, 46, 47, 48, 49. Wow. 
feel? Please get seated. God bless you. Another thing that will help us deal with anxiety and fear is the, the I call it the P and F model. P and F model, patience and faithfulness. I mean, this is huge. Many of the things that we are trusting God for, they will not always happen at the time we expect it. Everybody can attest to that. So this is the equation. Look at that uh, slide. When you have delays and detour, and there's a delay, the money is not coming, the promotion is not coming, the baby is not coming, the change is not coming, there's frustration, isn't it? Is that frustration that generates worry and anxiety? Is that anxiety mode that you need to deal with? Like uh, other things we're saying. If you don't deal with that, what happens is most people now compromise. Now when I say compromise, don't say you don't compromise. Let me tell you what I mean by compromise. When, before the delay and the detour, there were some right things you put in place, right? Some things you are doing, either you are praying and confessing, or you are giving seed to God, you know, for kingdom purpose, or you are diligent, whatever they said, or you taught, or they trained you about, you are doing it. So it's like you have done all the right things. Now when it looks like it's not showing up, what people do is they now approach those good things, which now creates further delay. Hmm, this is very important. We'll get it in Jesus' name. Look at Abraham. God said to him, I'll give you a son, blah, blah, blah. And he received it. But they were waiting and waiting and waiting. It looked like it's not going to happen. And then compromise showed up. And then suddenly there was a suggestion that was not from God, from the wife. They took a step that now created another 13-year delay. So when that delay, you add it to the normal delay, it now looks like God is not answering me. My simple message on that is, when you have done all the right things that you ought to do about the particular thing, and it's not forthcoming, let it be and be giving thanks. Don't, except God ask you to add something. Because anxiety will show up. Is it that I didn't pray well? Some even think, is it that my church is not anointed enough? Let me go to that church. Is it that, uh, you know, and in a bit to deal with it, if you don't manage it well, you, you compromise. Some uproot the seed. Some dilute the seed. That's where we get the word adulterated from. What they were doing that was already concentrated and correct and already working. They now begin to add. Adding could be some wrong statements. Some inner thoughts that are not too good. That now begins to even now weaken what seed that they've sown. We need to read this scripture before we uh, watch a, a, a nine-minute video. The video is a bit long, but I think it will be a blessing, and I will close in this service. Hebrews 10:35. There are many things this church had had to be patient about. There are many things. And in your life, if you look at it, you need patience. But this patience, I said P and F. While you are patient, be faithful. Because some people are patient... But they are putting the seed. You know, they are patient. And they are diluting. So the, so the faithfulness is not there. So at the end of the day, the patience will now not yield what it should yield. Because they've scattered the seed. You know how you give at times in church. And you came to a service. And then they say a sacrificial seed. And the Holy Ghost prompted you to give your vehicle. Or give a property or something. And you did it. And God was already working. But God is a God of behind the scenes. So because we now don't 
see anything happening, thoughts begin to come. Maybe I shouldn't have given my car. Maybe the church didn't handle the car well. Maybe uh, it was, you know, and then if you don't deal with that, suddenly you start doubting. Somewhere along the line, you can literally spoil the seed. But when you know that, ah, I remember that day, my heart by the Holy Ghost said it. Eh? So leave it. In fact, be thanking him. Get to a level where even if it takes a million years, my faithful God will do his part. But be careful not to spoil your seed. It's, it's like, a, and the devil enjoys that. The devil is a waster. When people have done what they should do, he knows that the outcome will be, will slap his face. So he does everything within that time to spoil it. And that's how he comes frustration. Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not cast away your what? Somebody say confidence. That's what begins to go down when you begin to doubt. Ah, I don't, are you sure I should have given that money? Are you sure I should have prayed the way I prayed? Are you sure this is even my church? Are you sure this pastor is anointed? You know, like John Baptist was asking Jesus, are you sure? You know, said, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has what? Yeah, that's the real It's coming. Next verse, 36. For you have need of what? Uh, uh, KJV says, you have need of patience. So that after you have what? You will what? So between doing the will of God and receiving the promise, we need patience and faithfulness. If not, you will not receive the promise. And these attacks often comes when you are closest to the harvest. It's a spiritual thing. Say, for you have need of endurance. So after you have done the will of God, you have done the will of God, you have prayed the prayer. They say, you fast, you fast. Hey, so can you answer the prayer yourself? No. Like this Nigeria matter now. We prayed for seven days, right? Morning and night. Then you leave it to God. Whether somebody defects or somebody doesn't die or die, it's not your business. You can't pray and then answer God's prayer for him. He knows what he's doing. He's the only wise God. And because we do it in our private lives, Look at it, it says, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. 37, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and will not tarry. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no... 39, but we are not of those who draw back to what? But of those who believe to the saving, we stay on course. Tell your neighbor, be patient. Be patient. And be faithful. Yeah, God is at work behind the scenes. Uh, many years ago, my pastor was sharing, I was in a meeting in 94 or thereabout. He said he learned a lot from the Chinese bamboo. And then this week, as I was, was it last week, I was preparing, thinking about our church. And then that thing kept coming, Chinese bamboo. The Chinese bamboo explains these things better. When they plant the Chinese bamboo, for four years, it's amazing, nothing shows on the ground. That is frustrating. Not four months or four days. For four years, year one, year two, year three, year four, nothing. Nothing shows up. Do you know what it means for a farmer to be going back to his farm for four years and you are waiting? You are a madman. They are, you know, according to some of those videos, some villagers even look at them like something's wrong with you for four years. But the fifth year, <laughs> fifth year, it just shows up a bit. And in a period of six weeks, it grows up to 90 feet. Do you understand what I mean by 90 feet? How many feet are you? Six. Six feet, right? 90 feet in six weeks. So, then I asked one guy, how, how, how fast did that thing grow? He said, he said six. We said, no, it's five years. 
Apparently, those four years, he was putting certain spread roots on common roots under. But you can't see it so that it can withstand that fifth year of boom. But they said some people don't know that. In the third year, what is all this for? One will walk and die. I've been wetting this thing. I've been doing this thing. They now either don't wet it anymore or angrily leave the place or uproot it and they miss it. Can we have the video of the Chinese bamboo, please? I'd like to introduce you to the miracle of Chinese bamboo. It all begins with a seed and with the vision of someone willing to wait. A Chinese farmer, usually struggling to survive and provide for his family, plants the seed and sets his hope and vision on all it will provide when it towers 90 feet above his head. With a heart toward the future, he digs hole after hole, plants the seeds, then begins their care. Day after day, he carries water to the spots he has marked. And because it's human nature to want to see results, he carefully inspects the spots every day. Nothing. Knowing he has to feed his family, he plants other crops, carefully sown around the spots that contain the real hope for his future. He continues to water them every day, feeding them carefully and watching. Nothing. The other crops sprout within weeks, providing nourishment for his family within months but provide nothing for the future. These crops will not make his dreams come true. They will simply provide for the present. The Chinese bamboo seeds contain all his hopes, his dreams. A whole year goes by. Nothing. He continues to haul water. He stares endlessly at the spots but sees nothing but barren ground. His hopes his dreams seem so very far away. There is no evidence of life. Has the seed rotted? Has it died before it ever had a chance to grow? Another year goes by. Nothing. His neighbors, those who don't know and believe in the miracle of the Chinese bamboo, laugh at him. They mock his vision for the future. They look on with scorn as he hauls buckets of water to the spots. He begins to question himself. Will it ever grow? Is he pouring water and his life's energy into something that will reap no reward for him? Another year goes by. Nothing. Three years of pouring water, energy, and hope into the Chinese bamboo. Nothing to show for it. Yet, he's heard of the miracle of the Chinese bamboo. He's heard of the huge rewards that come to those who believe. One day, he stands over the spots, and he cries his frustration and fears. The spots reveal nothing, the barren ground seeming to mock him. Yet the wind whispers hope to him. He sighs and hauls yet more buckets of water. Another year goes by. Nothing. Four years. Four years of hoping, wishing, and diligently tending his dream. Surely the miracle will happen now. His neighbors have quit laughing. They no longer even care. Yet 
they talk quietly among themselves of the farmer who isn't quite right. At this point, the farmer isn't even sure. Yet, he's fallen into a habit, so he continues to water the spots. He continues to feed them. It's simply what he does now, with no knowledge of reward, just the simple, now unspoken hope that life resides beneath the spots he so carefully tends. Another year passes. Nothing. Five years. The farmer is tired. Tired of hauling buckets. Tired of growing and tending so many other crops to feed his struggling family. Tired of trying to keep his dream alive. Tired of seeing no results day after day. He stares hopelessly at the spots. There cannot possibly be life after so many years. He must have watered them wrong. He must not have fed them correctly. If only he had done things differently, there would be growth. Despair rocks his soul. Five years he has poured into his dream, into his hope for a better future. His dream mocks him. The vision of a better life for his family melts away under harsh reality. Tears fill his eyes as he grabs for the last hope residing in his soul and slowly lifts the bucket to pour water onto his dream. After five years, he realizes it would be folly to give up. Then comes the morning when the whole village is jolted awake by the cries of joy from the farmer. They watch startled from their windows as he runs down the dusty road calling for his family to come see. As his family races back up the road after him, the rest of the village pours from their houses to see what has this crazy farmer so excited. They find the family clustered around the spots, talking excitedly. From the edge of the road, they can see green sprouts thrusting out from the barren ground. They seem to be growing before their very eyes. The farmer is dancing. The miracle has happened, he cries. The miracle has come. The spots become the place for everyone in the village to come, watching in amazement as the bamboo grows and grows and grows. Five feet, ten feet, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety. In just six weeks, the bamboo has grown ninety feet tall. Five years of nothing, and now this. Ninety feet in six weeks. It is truly a miracle. The farmer stands to the side. He is aware all his dreams have come true. The harvest of the bamboo will provide all he dreamed of for his family. The bamboo that will replace what is harvested, springing forth from the deep roots forming during the last five years, will provide for generations to come. He also realizes the lessons he has learned are far more valuable. He learned to plant a dream. He learned to do the daily things that would make it a reality. 
He learned to ignore those who said it couldn't happen. He learned to push past his own fear and doubt and keep taking action. He learned to have faith when there was no reason to have faith. Now he smiles every time he walks through the village. Everyone is hauling buckets of water to their own spots, gazing over at his towering 90 feet tall bamboo. They know what can happen because of him. Because of his willingness to blaze the trail and make his dream come true. What about you? What are you willing to do to make your dreams come true? How long are you willing to work? How long are you willing to take action? How long are you willing to push past your fear and doubt? How much faith and belief are you willing to have? I hope your answer is one that will help you achieve all you dream of in life. As you continue to dream, do so knowing that someone believes in you enough to send you this movie. Someone believes in you Hallelujah. enough to make sure you understand the miracle of Chinese Let's people. Let's the Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wow. Now, I mean, Nigerians are very funny. The next thing is when? 2013. 2014. Now we're calculating five years or four years. I think the principle has to do with waiting. Some people in business, it could be three years and it's proud. For somebody else, it could even be seven years. But these are the lessons. They said while the farmer was waiting for that Chinese bamboo to produce, he planted, uh-huh. get busy doing other things. Don't spoil the great one, the major thing. Don't spoil it. Get busy doing the right thing. What else can you do and, you know, to, to keep life going excitedly? Okay, number two, keep doing the right thing. Okay, the guy kept watering it, isn't it? It wasn't that it's not working. And now begin to you don't go to business place anymore. You don't handle your business well anymore. You just handle the business anyhow because it's not producing money. No, keep doing it. Keep watering it. Learning. Add whatever you're learning, making it work. Doing it right. Speaking over it. If you notice, marriage counselors will tell you that most marriages that survive the first five years will often survive. But some that don't do well after five years, certain things that should have been put right in that first five years, they didn't do it. When they should have been understanding the husband or the wife and understanding each other, they were just they kept uh, complaining, they kept fighting, and that fighting can continue forever. Get it right. The guy was watering the thing, was going there every day. Even businesses, the first five years matter. Most African businesses don't survive the first five years. If you can survive that, then you can make it. And this five-year thing is in cycles, you understand? You get to a particular level, and then you start building on that level again. Sometimes you need patience. You keep building. When you understand this, you won't allow people to pressure you unnecessarily. My season is not your season. But don't now spoil your season because you are looking at somebody else's season to frustrate your own seed. Glory to God. Patience and faithfulness. Let's bow our heads to pray. 
happiness is a function of wisdom. The wiser we are, the better we live. Join us every Sunday at Global Impact Church for four great services. 7 a.m., 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. At The Good Land, Ifako Bus Stop, Oworonshoki Ogbutu Expressway, Lagos, Nigeria. Host, Yemi and Bimbo David. For inquiries, visit www.globalimpactng.org or call 0808-156-3080. Global Impact Church. Global Impact Church.